0: Thank you, Chris. Um, Can you hear me at the back? Okay, good. Well, it's uh, lovely to be with you here in Melbourne this evening. My first um, um, thing in in Melbourne, although I've been in Australia for nearly a month, my first um, uh, lecture, if it is a lecture, I'm not sure, In Melbourne. Marvelous to be with you. Well, is it a lecture? Uh, Well, uh, uh, I'm not, I really don't know what to call it. A workshop is too serious, a lecture is too intellectual, a play shop is too frivolous, and uh, a seminar is is ridiculous. (laughs) However, we shall see. my plan this evening is roughly uh, like this. First of all, a spiel, a story about what I'm up to here tonight, and I hope you will be up to with me tonight. First of all, some spiel about that, what I'm up to. And uh, then we move on to the really... Uh, We call it the nitty-gritty. I understand you have in Australia the term nitty-gritty as well. The nitty-gritty of this evening are the experiments we shall do. Well, don't get nervous because the experiments are very simple, very direct, and uh, not at all embarrassing, not at all embarrassing. But they are what the evening is about. The words kind of froth, you know. They're really quite central, I suppose, to explain what the uh, experiments are in aid of. Uh, but uh, the nitty-gritty this evening are the experiments. And the experiments address one very, very crucial, central point, uh, which is about you personally, about you personally. The experiments are in order that each one of us shall this evening be her or his own authority. And not believe a word that Douglas says, but test it, test it. Because you, if I may say so, are the sole and final authority on one thing, and I am the sole and final authority of another thing. And what is that thing? It is what you are in your own experience as first person, singular, present tense. If you like where you're coming from, what you're looking out of, what is sitting in your seat at this time, who you are in your own direct, unmediated experience of what it is like having happened into the world. You know, if you're like me, you spend lots and lots of your life taking other people's word for what they are in no position to tell you and, and is certainly not in a position to tell me. See, if I may say so again, nobody has been where you are except you. All the other people are too far off. Six feet off, three feet off, yards, feet, miles off. Only you are in a position. I mean, most literally. Only you are in a position to say what it's like being you at this time. And I say, not much of my life I abrogated that authority. I let everybody out there tell me what I was like here. Now, I'm not talking psychologically, metaphysically, religiously, I'm talking in the most common or garden physical sense. I allowed everybody to tell me what it was like here. And 50 years ago, just about half a century ago, I, for one reason or another, I think because I had some terrible problems with Douglas, I just, well I did, and very hopeful those terrible problems were because they made me ask a crucial question, what am I here in my own experience when I doubt what all those people are telling me? When I doubt everything that I've been told, what am I like in my own experience at zero centimeters from this place? And I made a discovery, which I shall now confess to you, uh, and not because Douglas is a particularly interesting guy, but in order to invite you to make, perhaps, similar discoveries where you are about yourself. I made a strange discovery. And that is, and it's so simple. I think we all know this, that I wasn't what they told me I was. I was the exact opposite. I wasn't just unlike what those people told me. In all serious respects, I was the exact opposite of what I'd been advertised to be. But the exact opposite. That's a very strange thing, isn't it? You see, let me put it like this. I believe there are two worlds. Two worlds, and they're vastly, vastly different. And the first world is the world we're told we live live in, a world of convention, a make-believe world, a world that's determined by language and custom and convention that we're all told we're living in. Language is party to the construction of this as-if world, as-if world, the world of convention, We 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 know when we're very little, we don't live in that world of convention. We live in the as-is world. When we're little, as-is world, the world as presented, the world as given. And as we grow up, we trade in that as-is world, the real world as presented, God's world if you wish, we trade that for the as-if world the world of convention and nearly all of us live and die convinced that the as-if world the world of convention mediated to us by parents, teachers bless their hearts and language we live and die as if that is the real world well why should we distinguish between the as-if world and the as-is world well it's my experience, and don't believe a word of it, test it in a minute, test it for yourself. It's my experience, cross my heart, it's my experience, that the, as the is world, the world as given, before I start mucking about with it, for the purpose of controlling it, for the purpose of getting power over others, and so forth, the world as given to me, when I'm simple enough to dare to look at what's presented, I say, in my experience, that world is woven of blessings. It's a world full of blessing. It's a world built to a fabulously beautiful design. You will be the judge, of whether I'm telling the truth or not presently. And conversely, I find that the world, the as-if or conventional world that we are asked to believe in, that that world is a pretty crummy place. It's a pretty awful place. Some of you will remember, I think, a very, very fine prose writer called Thomas Traherne, a 17th century English cleric and mystic and poet. And he said, there are two worlds, there are two worlds, man's world and God's world. And you know, the thing is, to get out of one into the other. And uh, in my experience, he got it right got it right and this evening this evening with your permission we're going to have a look at another world I would say God's world if you like if you if you don't mind that rude word I should be so careful when I use the word God I can I can use the word Buddha till the cows come home and but, but, but I get into trouble uh, by uh, when I use the word God. But uh, substitute your own synonym for her. <laughs> Two worlds: The real world, the given world, I suggest, is woven of blessings. and the conventional world we have to live in. We have to play along with it. But don't let's take it dead seriously. Dead is the right word. (laughs) And I, in my 50 years of investigating the as-is world, the real world, I've been astounded to go on and on and on making discoveries in Australia. In Australia, I come to Australia at the ripe age of 82 and then I find again discoveries about the difference between the real world, God's world, if you wish, as-is world, and the conventional world uh, we condemn ourselves to living in. So tonight is about having courage, having the courage to be ourselves, and about telling the world to mind its own business because nobody is in a position to tell you what you're looking out of at this time, what you are in your own direct experience. I'm not in a position to tell you what you're like there. I'm going to ask you to decide for yourself on the basis of some very, very small experiments we're going to do tonight, uh, supplemented uh, for some of us tomorrow with some, um, some bigger ones, Uh, with uh, some technology there, uh, uh, some uh, really, I think, very exciting uh, pathways to the place we never left. Uh, You are going to test whether uh, this is so. Whether you had been taken for a ride and indeed sold yourself up the river, perhaps you're the one who shall be the judge of that. Don't let Douglas tell you what you're like where you are. But he's going to tell you what he's like here, in case you are in the same strange condition. I say, I repeat, in my experience, who we really, really, really are, when we have the courage to look for ourselves, who we really, really are, is just fabulously happy. Another way of putting this, um, yesterday I received a letter from a friend in California, and he quoted Albert Einstein. And Albert Einstein, at the end of his life, said there's only one real, real question, and that is, is the universe favorable? Is, can the universe be trusted? That's the big question. Can the universe be trusted? And I was staying, I think it was in Lismore, was it, or Brisbane? No, it wasn't. It was in Canberra. And I picked up a copy of Carl Rogers' uh, a book about becoming a person. I have a lot of respect for that man. And he said something there, very low-key, but I think it's very, very good. Very good. What did he say? He said, the facts are friendly. (laughs) Now that is low key, isn't it? Facts are friendly. Well, you should be the judge of whether the facts are friendly tonight. And I'm talking about the facts that are sitting in your chair at this time. Why should we, why should we look into what it's like being our self, first person, singular, present tense, what we're looking out of, where we're coming from. I can think of a whole bunch of reasons. Let me share one or two with you. My own reasons for, for, you know, for making sure I don't live and die without having a look at who's doing that. What were the reasons? Well, I think they're a big one which must appeal to to your hearts and minds, is just sheer gratitude at having occurred. You know, it's the very last thing, isn't it, we feel so grateful for at having happened. You know, you needn't have happened. You needn't have happened. But you did happen. You could even say you happened yourself. <laughs> you occurred. And I say it's pretty chicken hearted, isn't it? Pretty unenterprising, dare I say, pretty un Australian, <laughs> to live and die with taking everybody's word for what has happened where you are, except the inhabitant of this place. <laughs> Nobody is in a position to tell you what you are, who you are, but you and tonight we're going to exercise the supreme authority. And I would suggest when we do so, we'll have a taste, just a a taste of the blessings that arise from who we really, 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 really are. So the first motive, I think, for looking at this is curiosity. I'd be damned if I'll live and die without ever looking to see who is doing that. It's not worthy of you, is it? It's not worthy of you to do that. What a challenge. What an opportunity. Well, first motive. The second motive, well, as, as Chris said, I used to, with a minimum of qualifications, all my qualifications being architectural, with a minimum of qualifications, by some fluke, I managed to teach comparative religion for Cambridge University. I should never really understand how I pulled that one. <laughs> but certainly my heart was in the subject. And as I re- read the great religions, um, I find at the heart of the heart of the heart of every one of them, The mystical half, the real, what shall I say, uh, the message, the hidden message, often denied, um, driven underground. You know, people get barbecued for having announced it, but it's still there in the great religions, great five religions. And what is the proposition of all these great religions? It's hair-raising. Shocking! our hair should stand on end when we read this what is the message all the great religions nearer nearer to you than your hands nearer than your feet nearer than your breathing is the origin of the world who you really 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 are It is not a product of the world. It is the origin of the world. The Upanishad said, the Buddhists said, the Daoists said, even even Judaism says it. There's a rabbi, a Spanish medieval rabbi who says, God is the soul of my soul, the soul of my soul. Even Judaism says it. All the really great Christian mystics say this. Islam, Islam says it. God is nearer, Allah is nearer to a man than his own neck vein. You know, don't let, let our lives go by without checking this out. If it's rubbish, let's just junk it. If it's true, let's take it seriously and do something about it. Who you really, really, really are, they say, is not a product of the world, it's the origin of the world. I think we have to be humble enough, enterprising enough, truthful enough, to check up on this. It takes a lot of humility to be as great as you are, paradoxically. Can we bear this greatness? Well, I think we're better if we have any self-interest. They say that nearer to you than all else is the eternal, the eternal awakeness, awareness, reality from which all flows. Well, it becomes a matter of urgency at my time in life <coughs> to get this get this matter cleared up, doesn't it? I mean, I look in my mirror, and I've been looking at this guy in the mirror for 82 years. And every time I look look at him, he's nearer to death. He's been, he's a terminal case. (laughs) He's been a terminal case for 82 years. And if I'm him, if I'm that one, gosh, you know, I've had it, haven't I? I've had it. But you see this as-if world, what does that say? It says, that's you in the mirror. Now, when we were very little, every mum here knows, every dad knows, that when we were very little, we looked in the mirror, and uh, that was our friend. That was our friend in the mirror. It wasn't ourself, it was our friend. When we were very little, we were saved. We were sane, and we told the truth. And there was our little friend in the mirror. And then we grew up, and they kept telling me, that's Douglas, that's Douglas, that's you, that's you. (laughs) I bought into that one, you know. (laughs) And I might have been warned. See, what really happened was, it was safely, that little guy in the mirror, little Douglas in the mirror, was safely behind glass, like a specimen in a path lab. <laughs> you know, when you have a dangerous specimen in a path lab, you keep it in a glass container. Well, little Douglas there was in a glass container. But you see, he escaped. He escaped under pressure from the as-if world. He escaped from here, in, in, behind glass, and he crept, he crept up my arm, and he invaded this place here. In imagination, not really, of course. Because on the way up, he had to turn round because he's the wrong way round. <laughs> he was looking this way, I'm looking that way. He crept up my arm. Were you safe there. Here, he was a parasite a parasite, and parasites drain your energy, they debilitate, and they kill you. And it seems to me that the great delusion, the great nonsense of the as-if world, that we're the conventional world, is that I am here, what I look like there. How could I be? How could I be here, what I look like at six feet? How could I be at naught inches what I look like at a hundred inches? Now, you've got what Douglas looks like, and you're welcome to it. <laughs> you're welcome to what Douglas looks like. I mean, he's yours. Well, I don't know, you're burdened with that guy at the moment. And you've got what I look like, and I swear to you across my heart that in every respect I'm the opposite here what I look like to you and what is the great human conventional nonsense and ridiculousness it is to say I am here what I look like over there and that's, that's, that's suicide is nothing less than suicide because this one is a death head You're nearer to death every time I look if I'm that I've had it that is mortal if anything is mortal and when I take him and put him here, turning the thing around, mucking about with it, creeping up my arm, and putting it here, I've committed suicide. It ain't true. So he's here. So I suggest all of us go back from this meeting and look in the mirror to see what we are not like. Thank God look in a mirror thank God I'm not like that here (laughs) it's a killer to be like that it's a killer and everybody knows I mean their hearts our minds and hearts respond to this message that you are not what you look like you are not what you look like what you look like is very marvelous and I'm enjoying it tremendously but you see, it's on the way out. <laughs> it's a temporary thing. The question is, what are you looking out of? What are you at zero inches from, from uh, yourself? And the great religions say that nearer to you than all else is the origin of the world. You know, there's a very, very beautiful passage in the Quran. Beautiful, beautiful passage, not too well known, I think. It says, man is like a mirage in the desert. You go up to him, and where you thought there was a man, you lose him, and you find God. Man is a, as a mirage in the desert. When you go up to him, you lose him, and where you thought there was a man, there you find God. You see, I was on a, some of you may have noticed me on a television program, a rather deplorable, a deplorable thing, and the, the, the chap in the, in the interviewer, whose name I can't remember, introduced me as an eccentric. <laughs> an English eccentric, you see. Well, I, I think he got it wrong. I think he was the eccentric. <laughs> you see, I think, I think in the as-if world, we've, we've become eccentric. We're all living about five feet away from where we are. We're, we're out to lunch. <laughs> as the Americans so truly put it. And you know, really and truly, in the as-if world, we're all living, doctors, very much so, living out there, looking in at myself from there, imagining what it's like through your eyes and your eyes, you know, and, and, and Mary's eyes and, and, and Chris's eyes, looking in at myself and saying, oh dear, is my hair straight? Am I going down well? You know, well, what, what about it? And I'm really eccentric. And I say the art of life, to to transfer from the as-is world, as-if world, man's world, the world that's a killer world, to transfer from that to the the as-is world, God's world, the world which I say is woven of blessings. All we have to do is to travel a spiritual path. Well, I'm not sure about the spiritual part. (laughs) You know, you've all heard of paths, very good ones. Eightfold and other uh, otherfold, all sorts of paths. Well, I, I'm kind of, I suppose it was being an architect made me so darn literal. I don't know. But I want, you know, I want to be concrete about these, things, not vague. I hate abstractions. I want to know what kind of path it is, where it's leading, how long it is, and how long, you know, and how I travel the darn thing. And I say that to come home from who I seem to be, from the as-if world to the as-is world, I have to travel the one meter, one meter, should I say ignoble path, to who I am here. And it's as simple as that to come home to the place we never left. And the experiments we're going to do to this evening and tomorrow, we'll be coming home, the experiments, to the place we never left. That that, uh, television personality got it wrong. I, at least, my business in life is to be centric and no longer eccentric by one yard.